8.47, Science and Technology Now with Mark Zastro, science journalist here in the studio. Good morning. Good morning, Alex. And on the way, the next energy storage technology could be stacking concrete blocks. Uh, Trump's Environmental Protection Agency releasing a plan to relax carbon regulations on power plants. But first, Maersk sending its first commercial ship along an Arctic route and why that's so important, Mark. Good morning again. So tell us more about this, the world's largest shipping line plying the waters of the Arctic Ocean. That's right. Well, we've, of course, known for some time that because of global warming, you know, the Arctic was going to lose its sea ice and open up these shorter shipping routes that were previously blocked. You know, for instance, there's the fabled Northwest Passage, which runs north of North America through the Canadian Arctic. And then there's the Northeast Passage, which runs north of Russia and Europe. And it's a part of this route that Maersk, the Danish shipping giant, is going to tackle for the first time this week with one of its container vessels. So this ship is called the Venta Maersk. And according to marine traffic websites, it's actually currently docked in port in Busan. But later today, it's scheduled to depart for Vladivostok. And from there, it will sail northeast to the Bering Strait and enter the Arctic around the end of the week. And then it will navigate this stretch of the Northeast Passage up to St. Petersburg, arriving around the end of September. Can we expect this regularly? I mean, what does this mean for the shipping industry? Right. Well, yeah, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, this is a, a huge turning point for the shipping industry or even the the history of shipping. Uh, in the very short term, however, we're not really sure how quickly it will become uh, a regular thing, and neither is Maersk. They are calling this a trial run. Uh, this ship does have cargo. It's carrying mostly frozen fish. But the main reason for doing this, according to the company, is to just gain experience in operating in these you know, frigid conditions. In the long run, certainly Arctic shipping is going to happen, but uh, it may not become a regular thing for maybe a couple decades, uh, because currently it's only even physically possible two or three months out of the year. It's just blocked by ice the rest of the year. And right now, of course, right at the end of the summer, that's when sea ice is at a, at a minimum. So it's a good time to do this test run. But even now, you need ships that are reinforced to handle these operations through ice. The Ventimersk is one of those ships. It's a relatively new ship. But, you know, it's going to be a substantial investment by any firm that wants to have a whole fleet of uh, Arctic-capable vessels. And then also, when you look at sort of the economic uh, terms of shipping, the, the fact that it's a seasonal route means that it's hard to use it to replace any of your current services. And it's not necessarily reliable. Uh, ice could shift. That might change the route slightly. That might delay arrivals. And that's not really good for business in today's freight world. So even though this route could save up to two weeks, uh, Maersk says that they're not really looking at it as something that is going to replace any of their current routes or services. It's more something that would open up you know, new opportunities and types of cargo in the decades to come. Well, I guess frozen products will do better on that route. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, sticking with the theme of climate change, the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency has finally unveiled its plan to weaken emissions regulations on power plants. And it's actually on the direct orders of President Trump. That's right. This is something we've been tracking for a while. It was one of Trump's signature campaign pledges to boost the coal industry in the United States. 
He promised to replace Barack Obama's clean power plan, which, although it was eventually put on hold by the Supreme Court in 2016, it had aimed to reduce carbon emissions from power plants by 32% in 2030, compared to the levels in 2005. And finally, last Tuesday, the EPA announced what would replace that. It's called the Affordable Clean Energy Rule, and it would basically allow states to set their own emissions targets. Uh, But environmental groups and scientists are, of course, deeply opposed to this, and they argue that the EPA is basically abdicating its responsibility for its its responsibility to regulate, really. What will this mean in terms of the actual amount of emissions? We we know that coal is already becoming less economically viable. Are we really going to see an increase? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question, right? Of course, the U.S. is the world's second largest emitter and about one quarter, a little over one quarter of its carbon emissions come from the energy sector. But as you say, natural gas has really become the most economical fossil fuel. Uh, so analysts say, yes, this will keep some coal plants going in coal country, which of course uh, heavily supported Trump. So this is supposedly a political gain for Trump in that sense, but it definitely is not going to save all of these coal plants. Uh, The good news is also that many states with more liberal governments are not going to back down from those targets. And the EPA argues that carbon emissions are still actually going to decrease under this plan, but environmentalists say that they may not decrease enough to meet those targets that had originally been set and the targets that are set in the Paris Climate Accord. But another thing to consider here is that even if we do, if the United States meets those targets, if you think globally, we need to do more than just hit our targets, right? We we really need to exceed them to ward off the worst impacts of global warming. And actually, the U.S. was on target to help out here. They were on target to do that. As of last year, they'd already reduced power plant emissions by almost 28% compared to 2005. And most of that was due to the shifting economics, the the move away from coal. So uh, we'd hate to see that momentum uh, be lost. There's also the health impact. The increase in coal means dirtier skies, more fine dust. The U.S. seems to get away with that more than we do here in this part of the world. But geographical and meteorological factors play a difference. Right. But uh, it's, it's still something that needs to be looked at, as you say. In fact, according to the EPA's own estimates, uh, this plan, its own plan, could lead to 1,400 premature deaths every year due to the increase in fine dust under this plan. Uh, It could also lead to 15,000 new cases of respiratory issues. Uh, You know, the U.S. has a responsibility. Maybe it's not a responsibility President Trump takes seriously as as an influencer. Mm -hmm. And I I worry that here in South Korea, for example, it might have a negative influence. Yeah, we're already starting to see that uh, the difficulties in meeting our own energy targets here in South Korea. Well, finally, we look at a new energy storage technology could be cheaper than batteries, but made of concrete blocks. That's right. A company in Switzerland called Energy Vault is building an energy storage plant that works by stacking concrete blocks. So the idea is that when when the grid has surplus energy, you use it to power a crane that hoists 35-ton concrete blocks and stacks them 100 meters high. And that creates potential energy. So when you want to extract that power, you use the crane to lower it back down and have the crane run in reverse so that it becomes a generator and it generates energy. 
So it is apparently, the company claims, almost as efficient as batteries, uh, about 85% efficiency, and they think that it could actually be cheaper. Now, of course, it's not as versatile a technology as as battery storage, and batteries probably are going to get cheaper in the future as well. So it may not be used everywhere, but uh, it's still a pretty neat idea. Yeah, it it seems kind of a crude idea and so <laughs> obvious that uh, you wonder why it wasn't done already. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mark Zastro with our Science and Technology. Thank you. Thank you, Alex.